If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio. Welcome back, everyone, to 1001 Greatest Love Stories and a Christmas story with lots of love from Canadian author Lucy Maud Montgomery, who many of you might know as the author of Anne of Green Cables, which is the story of a talkative and headstrong young orphan girl who is adopted by a childless couple on Prince Edward Island in Canada. Miss Montgomery's stories draw you right in. The characters are rich and the stories are well woven. There is a famous quote out there from her book, Anne of Green Gables. It's been my experience that you can nearly always enjoy things if you make up your mind firmly that you will. Today's story is about an orphaned girl named Theodora who sacrifices the only family memento she has so her poor cousins can have a Christmas. For you Canadians and history buffs, in this story you'll hear mention of the Riel Rebellion which was a failed Indian uprising in 1885 by the Métis people in Canada under the leadership of Louis Riel. Louis Riel became the voice of the indigenous Canadian Métis as the government began taking away more and more of their land, and he launched two rebellions that won the hearts of the people, but not of the Canadian government, which captured and tried him in a one-sided trial that stands today as an embarrassment to justice. It did not end well, for Louis Riel. A quick note for all of you, we're bringing you two Canadian stories from Lucy Maud Montgomery this week as a thanks to Canada for really jumping us forward in the Apple Worldwide rankings. This one, and the humorous Aunt Philippa and the Men, over at 1001 Classic Short Stories and Tales. Thanks to all of you who subscribe, help others to subscribe, share our show with others, and take the extra time to review us at Apple and elsewhere. And now, Christmas at Red Butte by Lucy Maud Montgomery. Of course Santa will come, said Jimmy Martin confidently. Jimmy was ten, and at ten it's easy to be confident. Why, he's got to come, because it's Christmas Eve, and he always has come. You know that, twins. Yes, the twins knew it, and... Cheered by Jimmy's superior wisdom, their doubts passed away. There had been one terrible moment when Theodora had sighed and told them they mustn't be too much disappointed if Santa Claus didn't come this year, because the crops had been poor, and he mightn't have had enough presents to go around. "'That doesn't make any difference to Santa Claus,' scoffed Jimmy. "'You know as well as I do, Theodora Prentice, that Santa Claus is rich whether the crops fail or not.' They failed three years ago, before father died, but Santa Claus came all the same. 
Probably you don't remember it, twins, because you were too little, but I do. Of course he'll come, so don't you worry a mite, and he'll bring my skates and your dolls. He knows we're expecting them, Theodora, because we wrote him a letter last week and threw it up the chimney. And there'll be candy and nuts, of course, and Mother's gone to town to buy a turkey. I tell you, we're going to have a ripping Christmas. Well, don't use such slangy words about it, Jimmy boy, sighed Theodora. She couldn't bear to dampen their hopes any further, and perhaps Aunt Elizabeth might manage it if the colt sold well. But Theodora had her painful doubts, and she sighed again as she looked out of the window far down the trail that wound across the prairie, red-lighted by the declining sun of the short, wintry afternoon. Do people always sigh like that when they get to be sixteen? asked Jimmy curiously. You didn't sigh like that when you were only fifteen, Theodora. I wish you wouldn't. It makes me feel funny, and not a nice kind of funniness either. It's a bad habit I've got into lately, said Theodora, trying to laugh. Old folks are dull sometimes, you know, Jimmy boy. Sixteen's awful old, isn't it? said Jimmy, reflectively. I'll tell you what I'm going to do when I'm sixteen, Theodora. I'm going to pay off the mortgage and buy Mother a silk dress and a piano for the twins. Wouldn't that be something? I'll be able to do that because I'm a man. Of course, if I was only a girl, I couldn't. I hope you'll be a good, kind, brave man and a real help to your mother, said Theodora softly, sitting down before the cozy fire and lifting the fat little twins into her lap. Oh, I'll be good to her, never you fear, assured Jimmy, squatting comfortably down on the little fur rug before the stove, that rug being the skin of the coyote his father had killed four years ago. I believe in being good to your mother when you've only got the one. Now tell us a story, Theodora, a really jolly story, you know, with lots of fighting in it. Only please don't kill anybody. I like to hear about fighting, but I like to have all the people come back alive. Theodora laughed and began a story about the Riel Rebellion of 85, a story which had the double merit of being true and exciting at the same time. It was quite dark when she finished, and the twins were nodding, but Jimmy's eyes were wide open and sparkling. "'That was great,' he said, drawing a long breath. "'Tell us another.' "'No, it's bedtime for you all,' said Theodora firmly. One story at a time is my rule, you know. But I want to sit up till Mother comes home, objected Jimmy. You can't. She may be very late, for she would have to wait to see Mr. Porter. Besides, you don't know what time Santa Claus might come, if he comes at all. If he were to drive along and see you children up instead of being sound asleep in bed, he might just go right on by and never call at all. This argument was too much for Jimmy. All right, we'll go, but we have to hang up our stockings first. Twins, get yours. The twins toddled off in great excitement and brought back their Sunday stockings, which Jimmy proceeded to hang along the edge of the mantel shelf. This done, they all trooped obediently off to bed. Theodora gave another sigh and seated herself at the window where she could watch the moonlit prairie for Mrs. Martin's homecoming and knit at the same time. Hi everyone, 
The holiday season is upon us, and I'll be glued to the telly for BritBox on many a night. I've already shared with you the fact that I keep up with Father Brown and Poirot at BritBox. I also check out their new stuff, like the new series Archie, which tells the story of Archie Leach, otherwise known to millions of filmgoers as Cary Grant. This story comes from his daughter Jennifer Grant and ex-wife Diane Cannon. It's a series. The performance of Jason Isaacs, who plays Cary Grant, is top-notch. I highly recommend it. You can only find it on my favorite TV, BritBox. Sign up to BritBox today to stream Archie and other fan favorites today from any device. I have a special limited-time offer for my U.S. and Canadian listeners. Get 50% off your first month when you sign up for a monthly plan, but only if you go to BritBox.com and use my promo code 1001STORIES at checkout. Don't wait. Get 50% off your first month. Just use promo code 1001STORIES at BritBox.com. Try it. You'll like it. I'm afraid that you will think from all the sighing Theodora was doing that she was a very melancholy and despondent young lady. You couldn't think any more unlike the real Theodora. She was the jolliest, bravest girl of 16 in all of Saskatchewan, as her shining brown eyes and rosy dimpled cheeks would have told you. And her sighs were not on her own account, but simply for fear the children were going to be disappointed. She knew that they would be almost heartbroken if Santa Claus didn't come, and that this would hurt the patient, hard-working little mother more than anything else. Five years before this, Theodore had come to live with Uncle George and Aunt Elizabeth in the little log house at Red Butte. Her own mother had just died, and Theodore had only her big brother Donald left, and Donald had Klondike fever. The Martins were poor, but they had gladly made room for their little niece, and Theodore had lived there ever since, her aunt's right-hand girl and the beloved playmate of the children. They had been very happy until Uncle George's death two years before this Christmas Eve, but since then there had been hard times in the little log house, and though Mrs. Martin and Theodore did their best, it was a woefully hard task to make both ends meet, especially this year when their crops had been poor. Theodora and her aunt had made every sacrifice possible for the children's sake, and at least Jimmy and the twins had not felt the pinch yet. At seven, Mrs. Martin's bells jingled at the door, and Theodora flew out. "'Go right in and get warm, Auntie,' she said briskly. "'I'll take Ned away and unharness him for you.' "'It's a bitterly cold night,' said Mrs. Martin, wearily. There was a note of discouragement in her voice that struck dismay to Theodora's heart. "'Yeah, I'm afraid it means no Christmas for the children tomorrow.' "'Theodora thought sadly as she led Ned away to the stable. "'When she returned to the kitchen, "'Mrs. Martin was sitting by the fire, "'her face in her chilled hand, sobbing. "'Auntie, oh, Auntie, don't!' exclaimed Theodora impulsively. "'It was such a rare thing to see her plucky, "'resolute little aunt in tears. "'Nah, it isn't that,' said Mrs. Martin brokenly. It was seeing those stockings hanging there, Theodora. I couldn't get a thing for the children. Not a single thing. Mr. Porter would only give forty dollars for the colt, and when all the bills were paid, there was barely enough left for such necessities as we need. I suppose I ought to feel thankful I could get those. 
but the thought of the children's disappointment tomorrow is more than I can bear. It would have been better to have told them long ago, but I kept building on getting more for the colt. Well, it's weak and foolish to give way like this. We better both take a cup of tea and go to bed. It'll save fuel. When Theodore went up to her little room, her face was very thoughtful. She took a small box from her table and carried it to the window. It was a very pretty little gold locket hung on a narrow blue ribbon. Theodore held it tenderly in her fingers and looked out over the moonlit prairie with a very sober face. Could she give up her dear locket, the locket Donald had given her just before he started for the Klondike? She had never thought she could do such a thing. It was almost the only thing she had to remind her of Donald. Handsome, merry, impulsive, warm-hearted Donald, who had gone away four years ago with a smile on his bonny face and splendid hope in his heart. "'Here's a locket for you, gift of God.' He had such a dear, loving habit of calling her by the beautiful meaning of her name. Gift of God. A lump came into Theodora's throat as she remembered that. I couldn't afford a chain, too, but when I come back, I'll bring you a rope of Klondike nuggets for it. And then he'd gone away. For two years, letters had come from him regularly. Then he wrote that he'd joined a prospecting party to a remote wilderness. After that, all was silence, deepening into anguish of suspense that finally ended in hopelessness. A rumor came that Donald Prentice was dead. No one had returned from the expedition he had joined. Theodore had long ago given up all hope of ever seeing him again. Hence, her locket was doubly dear to her. But Aunt Elizabeth had always been so good and loving and kind to her. Could she not make the sacrifice for her sake? Yes, she decided. She could. And she would. She flung up her head with a gesture that meant decision. She took out of the locket the bits of hair, her mother's and Donald's, which it contained, and then hastily donned her warmest cap and wraps. It was only three miles to Spencer. She could easily walk it in an hour, and, as it was Christmas Eve, the shops would be open late. She must walk, for Ned couldn't be taken out again, and the mare's foot was sore. Aunt Elizabeth must not know until it was done. As stealthily as if she were bound on some nefarious errand, Theodora slipped downstairs and out of the house. The next minute she was hurrying along the trail in the moonlight. The great, dazzling prairie was around her, the mystery and splendor of the northern night all about her. It was very calm and cold, but Theodora walked so briskly that she kept warm. The trail from Red Butte to Spencer was a lonely one. Mr. Lurgan's house, halfway to town, was the only dwelling on it. When Theodora reached Spencer, she made her way at once to the only jewelry store the little town had. Mr. Benson, its owner, had been a friend of her uncle's, and Theodora felt sure that he'd buy her a locket. Nevertheless, her heart beat quickly, and her breath came and went uncomfortably fast as she went in. Suppose he wouldn't buy it. Then there'd be no Christmas for the children at Red Butte. "'Good evening, Miss Theodora,' said Mr. Benson, briskly. "'What can I do for you?' 
"'I'm afraid I'm not a very welcome sort of customer, Mr. Benson,' said Theodora, with an uncertain smile. "'I want to sell, not buy. "'Could you? Will you buy this locket?' Mr. Benson pursed up his lips, picked up the locket, and examined it. "'Well, I don't often buy second-hand stuff,' he said, after some reflection. "'But I don't mind obliging you, Miss Theodora. I'll give you four dollars for this.' Theodora knew the locket had cost a great deal more than that, but four dollars would get what she wanted, and she dared not ask for more. In a few minutes... The locket was in Mr. Benson's possession, and Theodora, with four crisp new bills in her purse, was hurrying to the toy store. Half an hour later, she was on her way back to Red Butte, with as many parcels as she could carry. Jimmy's skates, two lovely dolls for the twins, packages of nuts and candy, and a nice plump turkey. Theodora beguiled her lonely tramp by picturing the children's joy in the morning. About a quarter of a mile past Mr. Lurgan's house, the trail curved suddenly about a bluff of poplars. As Theodore rounded the turn, she halted in amazement. Almost at her feet, the body of a man was lying across the road. He was clad in a big fur coat and had a fur cap pulled well down over his forehead and ears. Almost all of him that could be seen was a full bushy beard. Theodore had no idea who he was or where he had come from but she realized that he was unconscious and that he would speedily freeze to death if help were not brought. The footprints of a horse galloping across the prairie suggested a fall and a runaway, but Theodora did not waste time in speculation. She ran back at full speed to Mr. Lurgan's and roused the household. In a few minutes, Mr. Lurgan and his son had hitched a horse to a wood sleigh and hurried down the trail to the unfortunate man. Theodora, knowing that her assistance was no longer needed and that she ought to get home as quickly as possible, went on her way as soon as she had seen the stranger in safe keeping. When she reached the little log house, she crept in, cautiously put the children's gifts in their stockings, placed the turkey on the table where Aunt Elizabeth would see it the first thing in the morning, and then slipped off to bed, a very weary but a very happy girl. The joy that reigned in the little log house the next day more than repaid her for her sacrifice. Whoopee! Didn't I tell you that Santa Claus had come all right? shouted the delighted Jimmy. Oh, what splendid skates! The twins hugged their dolls in silent rapture, but Aunt Elizabeth's face was the best of all. Then the dinner had to be prepared, and everybody had a hand in that. Just as Theodora, after a grave peep into the oven, had announced that the turkey was done, a sleigh dashed around the house. Theodora flew to answer the knock at the door, and there stood Mr. Lurgan and a big, bewhiskered, fur-coated fellow whom Theodora recognized as the stranger she had found on the trail. But was he a stranger? There was something oddly familiar in those merry brown eyes. Theodora felt herself growing dizzy. Donald! she gasped. Oh, Donald! And then she was in the big fellow's arms, laughing and crying at the same time. Donald it was, indeed. And then followed half an hour during which everybody talked at once, and the turkey would have been burned to a crisp 
had it not been for the presence of mind of Mr. Lurgan, who, being the least excited of them all, took it out of the oven and set it back of the stove. "'To think that it was you last night, and that I never dreamed it!' exclaimed Theodora. "'Oh, Donald, if I hadn't gone to town!' "'I'd have frozen to death, I'm afraid,' said Donald, soberly. "'I got into Spencer on the last train last night. "'I felt that I must come right out. "'I couldn't wait till morning. "'But there wasn't a team to be got for love or money. "'It was Christmas Eve, and all the livery rigs were out. "'So I came on horseback. "'Just by that bluff, something frightened my horse, "'and he shied violently. "'I was half asleep and thinking of my little sister, "'and I went off like a shot.' I suppose I struck my head against a tree. Anyway, I know nothing more until I come to in Mr. Lurgan's kitchen. I wasn't much hurt. Feel none the worse of it except for a sore head and a shoulder. But, oh, gift of God, how you have grown. I can't realize that you're the little sister I left four years ago. I suppose you've been thinking I was dead? Yes, and, oh, Donald, where have you been? "'Well, I went way up north with a prospecting party. "'We had a tough time the first year, I can tell you, "'and some of us never came back. "'We weren't in a country where post offices "'were lying around loose either, you see. "'Then at last, just as we were about giving up in despair, "'we struck it rich. "'I've brought a snug little pile home with me, "'and things are going to start looking up in this log house, "'gift of God. "'There'll be no more worrying for you dear people over mortgages.' "'I am so glad, for Auntie's sake,' said Theodora, with shining eyes. "'But, oh, Donald, it's best of all just to have you back. "'I'm so perfectly happy. I don't know what to do or say.' "'Well, I think you might have dinner,' said Jimmy, in an injured tone. "'The turkey's getting stone cold, and I'm most starving. "'I just can't stand it in another minute.' "'So, with a laugh, they all sat down to the table.' and ate the merriest Christmas dinner that the little log house had ever known. Thanks for joining us for Christmas at Red Butte by Lucy Maud Montgomery. We did receive our first review for 1001 Greatest Love Stories. Title, Awesome Podcast, 5 stars. I thoroughly enjoy the 1001 Podcast Network. I'm a faithful listener to both 1001 Short Stories and 1001 Stories for the Road as well. I thought I'd try this podcast because John always features a variety of classic authors and excellent content. I was not disappointed. The stories are well read, as always, and they leave me wanting to hear more. I can hardly wait for new episodes to drop. Thank you for all your hard work and dedication. It really shows. And happy holidays to you and your family, down from BV2447, Apple Podcast, U.S. Thank you so much for sending that first review, and everybody who's listening, please do take a moment to give us a review for 1001 Greatest Love Stories. We appreciate it. We'll be back next Wednesday night at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. Meanwhile, everybody stay safe, and we're wishing you and yours happy holidays and safe travels as well.
You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com aware. Terms apply.